You are listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. To Faithful Men is a project that started in 2006 to digitize and preserve old sermon and study tapes of Elder Wally Flanagan, Elder Hassel Wallace, and Elder Mike Strevel. They were pastors and teachers, and they studied to teach and train up others to continue in the ways of truth. I am thankful to be able to provide you with these sermons and studies, and I hope they will be a blessing to you. Uh, is our, where we'll begin tonight, and then we will review the first verse later. But thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book even to the time of the end. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall be increased. Then I, Daniel, looked, and behold, there stood other two, the one on this side of the bank of the river, and the other on that side of the bank of the river. And one said to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever, that it shall be for a time, times and a half, and when he shall have accomplished to scatter the power of the holy people, all these things shall be finished. And I heard, but I understood not. Now back to verse uh, 4. Uh, but thou, O Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book. Who told Daniel that? You go back to... Uh, uh, to chapter uh, to chapter 11 and you'll <clears throat> you'll find that, uh, chapter 10 it is uh, chapter 10 verse 5 then I lifted up mine eyes and looked and behold a certain man clothed in linen whose loins were girded with fine gold. Now you see, chapter 10, chapter 11, and chapter 12, all one vision. If you don't, if you don't recognize that, you, uh, it'll, it'll sure not be a riddle. It's a riddle anyway, uh, in, in a lot of, lot of ways, see. But now Daniel said, uh, when, the, when the vision was finished, uh, the one, I see over in 12, 12, uh, 4, somebody's talking to him. Well, you don't know who's talking to him until you go back to chapter 10. See? Uh, all right. Then in uh, verse 5, Daniel, instead of seeing a person uh, that's clothed in fine linen, whom we, when we discussed it, when we studied it, uh, I believe that it to be the Lord Jesus, a theophany of Christ. And it's a description of it. Now, uh, here, as he hears him talk, he sees two other persons, angelic beings. One on this side, and one on the other side. Well, now, Jesus was up above the river. 
See? He was seen above the waters. Uh, now, uh, Daniel, uh, one of the men uh, said to the man clothed in linen. Now, this is not Daniel speaking, but it's one of the other men that he saw on the riverbank uh, said uh, to the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, How long shall it be to the end of these wonders? When shall these things come to pass? How much time is involved? What is the end? All right, the Amalilists, they, uh, they take re uh, refuge when they studied Daniel 9 about the 70 weeks. They say you can ignore, ignore the 70 weeks. That doesn't mean a thing in the world. You can get the message without figuring the time. Well, now, <clears throat> they've got to play down the time element in order to have those six things taking place at the time that, that Jesus was crucified. Uh, and usually, they put, they place the beginning of the 70 weeks in 536 B.C., the year that Cyrus came to power. All right, if it's 536 B.C., well, then there's 536 years before Christ is born. Well, uh, the prophecy of 70 weeks uh, tells us that there will be uh, 70 weeks until uh, 69 weeks unto the Messiah. Not to his crucified, but unto him, to his ministry, to his day. Then it says, after 69 weeks have been fulfilled, which is 483 years, and, any, uh, and, and no Amalelis denies that, that I have ever heard of. Uh, and they all agree to it, because uh, the, uh, you see, the Jews had a, a week of years. And uh, the example of Jacob, when he served Laban for seven years, you know, uh, he calls it a week. He had served a week for Rachel. Well, now, how long was that week? Seven years, you see. But it seemed as though it was just a day, just a, uh, a short period as far as because of his love for Rachel. Well, uh, the 77s or 70 heptads was a period of 70, uh, uh, 70 uh, weeks, that is, the days. The weeks were one week equaled uh, a year, in other words, uh, seven years. 70 weeks. It's 490 years. 70 times 7 makes 490. All right? If you place the beginning of this period, and it says that they are from the commandment to restore and build the city, Jerusalem, uh, shall be this period of time. Well, if, uh, if Cyrus came to power in 536 B.C., and that's when you date it, well, then you already got the 490 years fulfilled, see, before Christ was born. So uh, <clears throat> uh, they say that doesn't make any difference. 
they say that uh, the the six things that's that's prophesied are the, is the main thing of the of the prophecy, and they interpret it to, uh, to mean the crucifixion that Christ is the one that, uh, the person that was cut off uh, was Christ that he uh, caused the sacrifices to cease the Old Testament sacrifices the priestly sacrifices and Christ was the one that made the covenant and the covenant is made when a man believes in Christ that's their uh, that's the confirmation of the of the covenant see well uh, now Daniel says uh, again he's won't know the time though the only reason I refer to that is to show that this man, now here's another man that was interested in how long shall this be. And I heard the man clothed in linen, which was upon the waters of the river, when he held up his right hand and his left hand uh, unto heaven, and swear by him that liveth forever that it shall be for a time, times, and a half. Now, <clears throat> The usual interpretation of that is time uh, denotes a year. Times, two years. A half is a half a year, which makes three and a half years. Uh, I don't know that any man has ever found out uh, what these dates and these years, this time element, from here to the end of the chapter, what it uh, signifies or can be definite about it. But... uh, if it does represent three and a half years, it is the same period of time from the uh, breaking of the covenant, see, to the end of the uh, tribulation period or the trouble. Uh, if you don't believe in the tribulation period, it's the time that uh, it, uh, uh, from the introduction of the abomination of desolation in the temple, from there to the um, end of the period of the destruction of Jerusalem. But now he says, But I heard, he said, uh, uh, And I heard, but I understood not. Then said I, O my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? Now that's Daniel wanting to know now, see. And he said, Go thy way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Many shall be purified and made white and tried, but the wicked shall do wickedly, and none of the wicked shall understand, but the wise shall understand. Now notice the uh, uh, the Lord told him if uh, the person... Uh, who is standing above the waters, the man who raised his right hand and left hand to heaven, and swear by God, by heaven. Uh, now he says that uh, for Daniel to go, uh, uh, to go thy way, for the words are closed up. He said, seal it till the time of the end. Well, what's the time of the end? Now that's, uh, that involves a whole disargument on uh, if people... Uh, agreed on the time of the end, why there wouldn't be much uh, squabbles among uh, prophetic teachers. The time of the end uh, is is not the end of time. 
But it uh, now, how much time does it designate? Um, the amillennialists, when they come to saying uh, uh, interpreting John five twenty eight and twenty nine. Uh, and John six thirty nine and John six forty forty four, uh, uh, saying that uh, speaking of the resurrection at the last day, him that cometh unto me, you know, and uh, uh, no man can come unto the Father except uh, come unto me except the Father which sent me drawing, and I will raise him up at the last day. All right, Dominus says uh, that the last day is the the final moment of time upon uh, of this age, this age and the age to come, and they say that the coming uh, of Christ to this earth and the resurrection and the judgment all takes place simultaneously. There's no time element involved. It's so it, it's so uh, it's so sudden. It's so swift. It's so quick. See. All right. The pre-tribulationist describes the time of the end to include all events from their supposedly and their assumed uh, teaching uh, of the rapture of the church, as they call it, seven years before the resurrection, the final resurrection, the second resurrection. That is the final phase of the first resurrection, which involves the seven year they call the tribulation period, uh, make it the last week of Daniel, you see, the seven years. Now, uh, if, uh, if there's any way by the scripture to determine what the time of the end is, well, then we'll be on the right track of, uh, of fixing it. Well, I think you can take Matthew 24 and uh, Mark 13 and Luke 21, uh, well, Luke 17 and Luke 21, those chapters, and notice uh, the word days in the plural and the word day in the singular. And, uh, and I, I think it, uh, it is very... Uh, instructive uh, to the settling the uh, this uh, this expression time of the end. All right, let's let's look at uh, uh, Matthew twenty four uh, and uh, verse twenty nine. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. Now, just, just all we want to notice now is what days refer to. Immediately after the tribulation of those days. All right, now here, days in the plural refers to tribulation. Whatever that tribulation refers to, it, uh, it, includes, uh, it includes those days. All right, back to in verse, uh, in verse uh, 19 of chapter 24 of Matthew. And woe unto them that are with child... And to them that give up in those days. Alright, notice the plural. Alright, verse 22. And except those days should be shortened. Alright, the, the days are referring to a period of troublesome time, whenever that period of time is. 
the, the, this days, it refers to that. All right, then. Uh, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. All right, the days, the time here is latter time. This is time. It's uh, just before the coming of Christ. Don't you see? Uh, then, if it, uh, all right, then back down to. Uh, in verse uh, 36, but of that day, now notice, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away. Now, you see, verse 30 speaks of the coming of the Lord, see? Then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven, and then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven uh, with power and great glory. And he shall send his uh, angels. Now, uh, this uh, uh, this is at the t- at that time. Now he says, "But of that day and hour knoweth no man." Well, now this the singular of day refers to the end of these days, the latter portion of them, not the end of time. Time's still going on, but it's in the end time. Uh, all right. Then in uh, look at Mark uh, thirteen, and uh, Mark thirteen is a chapter that uh, describes the uh, destruction of Jerusalem and <clears throat> and refers to uh, practically the same time. Uh, but for the elect's sake, whom he hath chosen, he hath shortened the days. That's verse twenty. Uh, then in verse twenty four, Mark thirteen twenty four. But in those days, after that tribulation, the sun shall be darkened. All right, the days in this passage, no doubt, refers to the tribulation period, whatever time now that tribulation involves. Then, in verse 32, again you have a quotation, But of that day, singular, and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven. Neither the Son, but the Father. All right. Uh, then in the seventeenth uh, chapter of Luke, you have uh, this time uh, referred to, and it's uh, beginning with verse twenty-two. Luke seventeen twenty two, and he said unto the disciples, The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man. Now the days will come. See? Plural. Now he's talking about end time days. It's not uh, it's not talking about the time that he's uh, ministering. It's not the time that he's preaching and teaching. The days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and ye shall not see it. And they shall say to you, See here, or see there, go not after them, nor follow them. You see, he's referring to his uh, immediate coming. He's about to come back to the earth. And he's referring to the days, days or that period of time that immediately precedes his coming. Now, in verse 24, so shall also uh, the Son of Man in His day. 
All right, now, this has nothing to do with the personal ministry of Christ's first advent, see, but referring to his coming again. And, verse 26, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. Now, the, uh, there's a day of the Son of Man and the days of the Son of Man. They did eat, they drank, they married, uh, married wives. They were given in marriage until the day, singular, that Noah entered into the ark. See? All right, now in verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even thus shall it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, the day the Son of Man is revealed, he which shall be upon the housetop. Now, notice verse 29. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven. Now, what does that teach you uh, about the tribulation? It tells you that the same day that Lot was delivered, judgment fell upon Sodom and Gomorrah. Right, now, what does, how does that affect prophetic teachings, interpretations, understanding with reference to tribulation? Those who say that uh, the coming uh, of Christ, that he's going to come first and he's going to rapture the elect, the children of God, then is when the tribulation period starts. That's when the days start. And they continue for seven years. At the end of which, and all of the people that die, the children of God that die, are put to death, the martyrs, during this seven-year period, when Jesus comes back, Revelation 20 is talk, uh, is, talks about them, tells them that's the resurrection of uh, uh, of the martyred saints. They say that when he comes at the beginning of this tribulation period, all of the saints are raised, and all everybody that's living, every child of God, will be changed and caught up to meet Christ in the air. See, seven years later he comes back. All right, this passage says the same day that God reigned, uh, that He took Lot, uh, Noah, I mean Lot, out of Sodom. He brought judgment upon the wicked. There's no time element. And he says, as it was in the days of, uh, of Lot, see, so shall it be. All right? As it was in the days of Noah. Now, what happened in the days of Noah? The, the very moment that Noah went into the ark, in fact, he went in there a week ahead of time, but uh, Noah went in the ark, and then the floods came. There wasn't no seven years. There wasn't no uh, long period of time between Noah going into the ark than the judgment. See? All right. Uh, now, look at uh, uh, verse uh, chapter 21. Uh, Luke. Luke 21, 6. And we want to see two or three verses in it. Uh as for these things which ye behold, the days will come, into which there shall not be left one stone upon another. 
and that shall not be thrown that shall not be thrown down. All right. Now the days there is certainly referring to uh, the days in which Jerusalem is destroyed. All right. But now these days did not end time. Time continued. But the days refer to that period uh, uh, immediately preceding and uh, and including the destruction of Jerusalem. Now, uh, in, uh, in verse 22, For these be the days of vengeance, that all things which are written may be fulfilled. But woe unto them that are with child, and to them that give suck in those days, for there, uh, for there shall be great distress in the land, and wrath upon this people. Uh, so, now, in verse 34, you have one other expression. And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting, and drunkenness, and cares of this life, and so that day come upon you unawares. All right, now from these passages, I think it's clear that there's going to be some days that are extraordinary, that especially filled with, uh, uh, with persecution, with anxiety, that are not going to be like the normal days. And at the end of those days, there's going to be a day, the day of the Lord, the day of Christ, that day, the day, at that time, see, and uh, uh, this age, and that age, the end of this age and the beginning of another age is going to be at that day, a singular day, when the Lord returns, but he's going to return in the end of these days. Not at the beginning of these days, plural. I don't know where you understand what I've been trying to say enough. Well, uh, now that's important uh, to try uh, to, to notice uh, to try to determine what is meant by the time of the end. Now you see, we have that expression several times in Daniel. Seal it up for the time of the end. And uh, uh, so, all right. Uh, let's go back to Daniel and pick up uh, many shall be oh we go down to we go down to verse 11 verse 11 and from the time that the daily sacrifice shall be taken away and the abomination that maketh desolate set up in other words from the time this abomination des desolation is set up there shall be one thousand two hundred and ninety days. Now that's a month more than a half of a week. See, the, the prophetic week, seven years. If time, times and a half is, one time is for one uh, one year, times two years and a half a time, a half a year, you'd have three and a half years. Or three years and six months. But twelve hundred and ninety days is three years and seven months. Uh, which shows you also, uh, well, of course, that doesn't necessarily, but uh, 30 days uh, in the Bible, 30 days is a month. Well, we know that because of the time 
that Noah stayed in the ark, you know. And uh, the Bible calls it uh, six, uh, uh, five months. Uh, and, uh, and, and then uh, 150 days. Five to 30 is 150. See? And it was in there five months until not all, all total is in there almost a year and a half. But, uh, but a certain period of from the rainings and the breaking up fountain of the deep. So, all right, a five month period did it rain. Uh, and then those days, it's uh, referred to as 150 days. So, uh, here now, uh, this, there's a month added. Uh, to this time element, to the 1260 days at least. So you have 1290 days from the time that the abomination of desolation is set up. All right. If that included Titus, if that has reference to Titus as army encamping around Jerusalem, because uh, any time an enemy, any army that was even in Palestine near the holy city, that was abomination of desolation within itself, just the very presence of, a, of an army. Uh, much less of, of that person going inside and taking a, a banner and a god of Caesar and, and putting it up on, uh, uh, on the altar in Jerusalem, see, and having people, for them to worship their, uh, their men and, and idol gods in, in the place. So uh, uh, it, it, it doesn't matter uh, where, uh, as, far as, as far as the time is concerned or as far as that abomination. But now, it certainly was abomination for the Roman emperor to do that. But before that, as we noticed in chapter 8 and chapter 10, uh, 11, uh, uh, that you have the story of Antiochus Epiphanes. Well, he's the man that went in, you see, also. And he uh, took a swine, a, a pig, hog, and offered it on the altar and sprinkled its juice on the walls. And he desecrated it, all right? During the Maccabean period, uh, Matthias Maccabees and his son Judas, they... Uh, cleansed the temple. They um, uh, fought Antiochus, won the battle, and Jerusalem had peace for some 40 years under the Maccabees. And they restored their temple worship for that period of time. And uh, then, in the meantime, uh, he didn't last long. The Romans, uh, this fourth kingdom, took, uh, 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 took over it came into power. And uh, then uh, there was a great uh, stir, just like this, when, any, when Democrats take over from Republicans and Republicans take over from Democrats, there's a house cleaning. And then there are different personnel. They want to, uh, the, the time to come to make changes, all right? When this occurred, there were men going to, uh, uh, to Rome. And Herod was one of those men. He went over and that's how he got his job. The high priests were buying the job. They were paying to become high priests, uh, to get to worship and officiate in the temple and to be boss over the Jews. And, of course, they said, oh, we're going to do whatever you say, you know. They were courting 
the new power, the power of Rome, after, after Antiochus Epiphanes, the last of the Syrians, uh, went out of business, you see. Well, uh, if uh, the abomination, when, uh, but now, this abomination, uh, <clears throat> certainly Antiochus Epiphanes was the first one. He did that. All right. In the capture of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., certainly Titus did the same thing because uh, the Jews, oh, they, they pled and tried to get him to keep out of the temple, just leave the temple alone, you know. But uh, And Titus was going to spare the city, uh, the, the, the temple, for a while. Uh, but uh, the soldiers uh, out, uh, outmaneuvered him. Uh, disobeyed orders in order for the uh, and yet Jesus had already prophesied that the temple would be destroyed see and yet for that fulfillment to come at Titus if they had obeyed Titus the command from uh, from the Roman authorities it never would have been done and then you say that uh, uh, you see why I say when a man looks at the cross why, you, you see two things. You see a tragedy and you see a triumph. You see the overruling hand of God in it, and then you see a murder, see? You see a crime, a uh, miscarriage of justice, and yet you see the perfect obedience of, of the Son of God, even unto death. You see? Well, uh, but now, if this... Uh, then when we come to Matthew 24 and Jesus now. What is Jesus doing? Is Jesus looking back? Because in Matthew 24, uh, 14, you know, he says, uh, 15, when you therefore see the abomination of desolation that was spoken of by Daniel the prophet, then flee. All right? Was Daniel now talking about the Romans coming into Jerusalem? And, uh, and, and, and maybe this is a, this perhaps is certainly includes that, because now Jesus referred to it. All right, uh, did did all the things that Jesus prophesied would take place? Did that occur at the uh, destruction of Jerusalem? See, now that's uh, in other words, did this did the Romans fulfill? The prophecies, in other words, the extent of the uh, of the abomination. Well, that's uh, what you have to keep in mind when you're studying uh, Matthew and and prophecy in general. All right, verse twelve says, "Blessed is he that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty-five, five and thirty days." All right, now here's thirteen hundred and thirty-five days. That's forty-five. Days more than a month, isn't it? Blessed is he uh, that waiteth and cometh to the thousand three hundred and thirty-five days. All right. Uh, now, as, as far as uh, Antiochus is concerned, these days, uh, counting these uh, three and a half years, that describes. Uh, quite a bit of his history because he didn't rule reign long 
And but now, uh, whether that uh, is the first Antiochus, or whether that's to be a time still in the future, I don't know. I don't know of anybody. I don't know how you would would determine. But go thou thy way till the end be. For thou shalt rest and stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Now notice in verse 13, he says, Go thy way till the end be. Well now, Daniel wasn't going to live till the end of his, till the prophecy of the ninth, uh, till the ninth chapter is fulfilled, 483 years. He was already uh, uh, in the neighborhood of 90 years of age, uh, regardless of how you figure, estimate his time when he went into Babylon. So, uh, the end that uh, that's involved here is going to require Daniel to die and to rise from the dead. Why? The lot says, stand in thy lot at the end of the days. Now this lot business, stand in thy lot, stand in thy inheritance, the lot of thine inheritance. You know, when Joshua, in the 14th chapter of Joshua, the first few verses, and then uh, in the 15th chapter also, yeah, uh, Joshua allotted the land, you know, by lot. Uh, the, uh, certain cities, certain boundaries, that's the way Palestine was divided among the twelve tribes, you know. Well, then it uh, specifically uh, uh, talks about Caleb. You know, Caleb was one of the boys that said, uh, uh, he said, we can, we, can, we can get them grapes and we can get them boys out of there. He says, I love them grapes. He and Joshua and Caleb came back with that big grape on that pole hanging there. Well, uh, and because... And Joshua and Caleb were the only two that was over 21 years of age when they left Egypt that went into the promised land. See, when they did cross the River Jordan. And Caleb, because that he had wholly followed the Lord, was given the city of Hebron. Uh, uh, in, uh, in Palestine. And so that was his lot. That was the lot of his inheritance. Now, here's a, pro a promise that Daniel was going to go his way. In other words, Daniel, you're going to visit. You're going to sleep with your fathers. See? He was, uh, and in the end, he would stand. Same, uh, same, uh, wording almost as Job in the 19th chapter when he says, you know, those skin worms destroy this body, yet in my flesh, you see, he was going to stand in the latter day that he would see God face to face. All right? Now then, let's go back to uh, chapter 12, the first verse now. And, uh, and at that time, now, Chapter 12 is not to be separated from chapter 11. 
In other words, in chapter 11, it's not to be separated from chapter 10. 10, 11, and 12 is one, has to do with one vision. Uh, Daniel uh, sees this person, and in chapter 10, he's described. And the same description in chapter 10 of Daniel, uh, you find in, in Revelation chapter 1. And you put the description uh, of, uh, of Christ in chapter 1 of Revelation and chapter 5 of Revelation and then chapter 19 and you have you have these uh, uh, you have what is known uh, as uh, the complete picture uh, of, of Christ that is as a theophany before he ever was incarnate before in the flesh Yet he appeared. You see, he appeared in the days of Abraham. uh, And Abraham, of course, uh, killed some uh, goats, sheep, feed him. But now, uh, and the angels. I don't know. uh, I don't understand all that. I believe that happened. There's a lot lot about this. I don't understand how it's going to happen. But now, but if you get to, uh, but when you ask me the question, uh, do I believe the Bible because I can solve the problems that it presents to my faith? That's not how why I believe the book. That's not why I believe a thing. I don't interpret a passage of scripture because it sounds uh, uh, that it that it sounds more reasonable and and it don't uh, require as much dependence on God. See, for the answer for the fulfillment of it, does the Bible say it? All right, now, we, we're not to make the Bible say more than it says, and I don't want to end this prophecy. Uh, a lot of times we have uh, made a statement before we really come to the revelation of it because of later it explained it. But now, let's, take, uh, let's observe rules like that and read these first two verses again. At that time uh, shall Michael stand up, the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation, even to that same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered. Every one that shall be found written in the book. Now then, what time is this? It's a time of trouble. It's a time of trouble upon the Jewish people. Upon, uh, it says, by people. But notice, and it's a time of trouble that they had never experienced before, and they'd been they'd been down in Egypt. Now, while they were in Babylon here, it doesn't seem that they had. Uh, we don't read about persecuting the, the Jews in Babylon. Well, man, they had they liked it so well they didn't even want to go back. See. They stayed down there. They like not have got enough Jews to build the temple. They, they needed more uh, more workers. But they finally went back. Uh, a, a goodly number. But now notice. The time of the destruction of Jerusalem was so great. And it was a time, it was a period of suffering uh, like no other. It was different in nature. Not in intensity. 
Well, now there was uh, more people killed. Well, an angel one night slew 185,000 Assyrians. Well, now, uh, of course, Titus, when he captured Jerusalem, uh, it was during the Passover season. And, of course, there was a, a great crowd. It's a, 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 almost, it was uh, just like it is now, you know, when they have these pilgrimages over there, and they go to Mecca, and these Mohammedans and all that. They, uh, it, it's just uh, almost millions. It may have been three million people. I think uh, Josephus estimated uh, possibly three million people being in Jerusalem at the time. Now, uh, I don't know how many of them escaped. Many of them went to Pella, you know, north of that. And uh, uh, and then, but now notice, but look at the number according to Josephus, how they were killed. You know, he relates that story of the woman that the guards came in and uh, they smelled meat. And uh, they knew that they weren't supposed to be in the meat in the house. Even the soldiers didn't have enough uh, food to eat. And uh, so they, they, they smelt the meat. And the soldiers uh, told this woman, and made her, he said, Where's it, what, what's that you've got to eat? And she came over and said, all right, I'll show you. And she looked at, and she uncovered a half of a little baby. She said, now I've already eaten half. This is my baby. I've eaten half of it. And the history says those soldiers turned and walked out and, uh, and says they, they, they tremble. Mm-hmm. All right. Now, well, now that, uh, it, it mm-hmm. undoubtedly was a, a, a great period. Now then, but notice what Daniel says about it. And this is, this is what gives me the clue uh, that says that I must read I must see something more than the, tri- than the destruction of Jerusalem in the answer of Jesus to his disciples on the Mount of Olives. Now, if you just had Mark's account and uh, Luke's account of the destruction of Jerusalem, uh, you, you could confine it. You, you could interpret it as all being fulfilled when Jerusalem is destroyed. Right, now notice that the last part of uh, Daniel 12.1 says, uh, And at that time thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now, <clears throat> if this prophecy was fulfilled in the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 A.D., how are you going to explain all of the Jews that were slain, put to death? This prophet says, At that time, thy people shall be delivered, everyone that shall be found written in the book. Now you're going to have to say that every person that was slain in Jerusalem was, his name was not in this book at least. Now, if this book represents the book of life, spiritual life, then you're going to say that every child of God got out of Jerusalem. 
And a great number did. The ones that the Lord told them, you know, uh, when they saw uh, these things to flee. You're up on the housetop. Of course, their houses were flat, you know. And don't you go down even into the house and get anything out. You go down this stairway and flee. And no doubt, uh, the ones that believed it, uh, this message, I think they got out of there. But now, uh, the, the statement here says that everyone was delivered. And that day, thy people, see, that's written in uh, the book. Now, this book, Moses in, in, uh, in, in uh, Exodus 32, um, verse 32, tells about the book. You know, he prayed. That was where he, he was praying, Lord, uh, blot me out, you know, out of thy book. See? All right, now, the Jews had a registry, a book. That, uh, uh, and when, when a man died... Of course, his name was scratched off of the roll of the living. In other words, he couldn't vote. They saw to it, they didn't vote dead men. See? Uh, but nowadays, they, they didn't... It might be some folks may have voted them. But uh, that was the purpose of it. There was a book of the living in in the city. That kept up with them. That was a number. And the book of numbers is a numbering of the people, you see. Well, but in the New Testament... We have this figure, this imagery, and uh, and we have it called instead of the book and the book of the living, we have the expression uh, uh, everlasting. See, or the book of life, uh, not the, just the book of living. Now, for instance, uh, in in uh, Revelation chapter thirteen, verse eight. You have uh, where the image to this beast was set up, and this beast was demanding worship. And all whose names were not written in the book of life fell down and worshipped him. See? All right, that shows that God's people didn't fall down and worship him. Showing that they are written in the book of life, that they are in the book of the living. And he tells us that that name was written there before the foundation of the world. All right, now here you're taking on uh, uh, this book of the Old Testament. And the book uh, of their cities, of their registry, takes on added significance in that that uh, the, the Bible reveals uh, that our names, the elect of God, that's like... Uh, Paul in Ephesians uh, 1, you know, in verse 3, uh, and in 2 Timothy 1, 9, well, it talks about this writing before the foundation of the world. Uh, our names uh, are not written in that book uh, when a man believes in the Lord, when he receives, uh, when he receives Christ or accepts Christ as his Savior, as you'll hear uh, when when people preach it, see. You hear missionary uh, uh, faith of all sorts that believe that, uh, well, when you're saved, that's when God writes your name in the Lamb's Book of Life. Well, now, uh, the, the Bible doesn't teach that doctrine. But it does teach, uh, as far as a book is concerned, 
uh, I, I'm not contending uh, that there's even such a thing as a book in heaven. That's not what it means. But it means that God knows them there is. Just as much if they're in, in God's sight, they're there, they're known, they're registered as much as if they was in Moses' book down there in in the, uh, numbering the inhabitants of Hebron or Gaza or Jerusalem or Jericho or whatnot. They knew how many people was there. See? Well, God knows them that are His. And He don't have to have a book to keep up with them. Uh, to write them down to see. see. But yet, you're going through uh, the book of Revelation. You have, uh, you, you have it uh, uh, in several places. 17th chapter. The twentieth, uh, 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 the twentieth chapter, twenty-first chapter, and the twenty-second chapter, you have reference to the book of life, and that God, uh, and God will not blot your name out of the book. And then again, uh, if you do so and so, He would blot the name out of the book of life. Now, uh, it, now you you've got to. Uh, it takes a little. Uh, uh, stand with the scripture truth to understand it, it uh, now the same book uh, the expression book of life or uh, the book is not the same book in other words uh, uh, you see the the Arminian takes those expressions to teach apostasy what is known as falling from grace or that a child of God can uh, uh, if he wants to, he, uh, the devil can't take it away from him, and the Lord's not going to take it away from him. But if he wants to, he can uh, he can commit uh, suicide, see, and give and throw away his life, forfeit his eternal life. Uh, so, but the only point, uh, uh, the reason why I'm bringing that up here is simply uh, to show that the prophecy here now at the time of that of this tribulation. Uh, if that's if you're to confine it to Jerusalem, you're going to have to say every child of God was delivered. There wasn't the one that was died in that siege, in that capture. Now notice the next verse. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wake some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, how is that verse going to... Uh, going, how are you going to uh, put that verse in 70 A.D.? we got a sudden... Uh, if, if verse 1 was fulfilled in 70 A.D., verse 2, many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall wait some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now, here you've got the doctrine of the resurrection. But now, this verse, if you take it on its face value, if, does it, is it talking about a resurrection? A physical resurrection? A literal resurrection? You would think so unless somebody told you otherwise. I mean, uh, uh, and because you're talking about people that are in the dust, coming out of the dust of the earth. And you're talking about them coming forth to everlasting life and to everlasting contempt. See? All right? 
the uh, uh, but what does the dispensationalist do here? See, he's in trouble. Can you see why he's in trouble? The resurrection is following the tribulation. You see, I think verse one is talking is going beyond Jerusalem. That was just a preview of what's going to happen during the tribulation in those days immediately. But the Bible tells us that the Son of Man immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the Son of Man come back. Well, we know, here's what we know about the end time. We know that Jesus is coming back. We know that He's coming back after the tribulation. We know that the dead in Christ are going to rise when He comes back. We know that the living are going to be changed in a moment and twinkle an eye and caught up to meet Christ in the air. And we know that. There's no, uh, nobody denies that. Now, what we don't know or what, uh, is what the dispensationalist tells me. I don't know that Jesus is going to come back before the tribulation. They tell me He is. Now you see, verse 1 talks about the tribulation, doesn't it? Alright? And uh, then verse 2 brings in the resurrection. Alright? The resurrection, this resurrection brings up two classes of people. The saved the lost. Uh oh. Pre tribulationist says that the all the saved are resurrected and changed and caught up to meet and carried back to heaven before the tribulation. See that this verse and now they see that. They see the force of that. And what do they do? Uh, and Dr. Gabeline, who was one of the uh, one of their smartest dispensationalists of American variety at least uh, he says that this resurrection is a national resurrection it's a resurrection of the Jewish nation that the Jews are scattered throughout the land see and it is a they, that uh, figuratively speaking they are sleeping in the dust of the nations and the Nations are tramping on them, and and they're trodden down. And of course, in in, in his his books uh, are are worth reading. And what he predicted, you ought to uh, uh, the times in which I have lived since. And he wrote uh, in before 1915, even before First World War. And then he wrote after the First World War, a few uh, just early because he. Uh, but his description of how he saw Palestine, the Jews going back to Palestine, brother, and and in '48 they went back as a nation. See, of course they've been they own shaky ground, but they're in there, and there's more Jews in Palestine today than there were when David was there. 
So uh, they've got the Jews in Palestine. And it's an interesting picture. But now that they're already back out, uh, so to speak, from that standpoint. They're not there from all over. Russia's not letting them all, uh, all it want to to come back to go there. But But now, uh, notice uh, in, uh, let's see, it's Isaiah, ain't it? Isaiah 20, look at Isaiah 28 uh, and Isaiah 29. Now, Isaiah 28, uh, Paul quoted this verse. Where am I getting it? If I got the right, no, I haven't got the right. Have I got the right one? Yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah, all right. It's twenty-seven, twenty-six, chapter, chapter twenty-five. Uh, and chapter 26 of Isaiah. Uh, verse 8. He will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from off their faces, and the rebuke of his people shall he take away from off all the earth, for the Lord hath spoken it. Now, when it says he will swallow up death in victory, and the Lord God will wipe away tears. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul tells about Christ and death is swallowed up in victory. O grave, where is I? Uh, sting and soul. O death. All right, now it's a quotation. That's what he's quoting. He's quoting from Isaiah there. So, so Paul is using that expression to refer to the physical resurrection. Now, in verse uh, 19 of the 26th chapter, Thy dead men shall live, together with my dead bodies shall they arise. Awake, and sing ye that dwell in the dust, for the dew is as the dew of herbs, and the earth shall cast out the dead. Now, and Dr. Gabeline says both of these passages refer to the national restoration of the Jewish people. And his reason for it is this. Otherwise, Daniel 12 would uh, teach a general resurrection. Gabeline says that uh, uh, Daniel 12, 2 says that the, uh, that the resurrection over here some to everlasting life and some to everlasting contempt is at the same time. And therefore would be a general resurrection and they don't believe that. See, dispensation believes in three resurrections. That the resurrections will be in the, uh, the first resurrection is in three stages and then you still have the resurrection of the wicked. So, uh, that's, that caused him to interpret uh, this passage figuratively. Now the Amalilis comes to this passage and they say uh, 
uh, that uh, the same thing that Dr. Gabelin said. That is his, the conclusion that he came to. They, uh, the Amelian says that this will happen at the same time, but it doesn't say that it will happen at the same time. All, all you can read out of this passage is the fact of the resurrection of the righteous and of the wicked. There is going to be a resurrection. See? Both of the righteous and of the wicked. Alright? That's that uh, in in John, the fifth chapter, verses twenty eight and twenty nine, you have uh the same uh the the, the same uh, statements. Marvel not at this for the hour is coming in the which all that are in the graves shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good under the resurrection of life and they that have done evil under the resurrection of damnation. Now, John 5.28 does not say that all will hear the voice at the same time. It doesn't say that all will come forth at the same time. All it says is that the hour is coming, the time is coming, when all that are in the graves are going to come forth. And then he describes the two uh, classes, the saved and the lost. But as far as any time element saying that it's done separately, it doesn't say that it that it's uh, separated by a day or hour or year or ten years or what. It doesn't say that it's simultaneous. All right. Uh, in uh, and and you can uh, uh, go to First Corinthians. The 15th chapter and verse 23, and you have another passage that's, uh, that, that, that's, uh, that, that's used to prove these different resurrections. But now, this passage, uh, instead, of, in, instead of saying that there's two classes that come forth, it says, uh, For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order. Christ the first fruits, afterward, they that are Christ at his coming. And then, or afterwards, or after that, the word then in verse 24 is the same as after that or afterwards in verse 23. So what you've got is Christ, the first fruits, after that, they that are His at His coming. Well, now, look how much time is between that. Now, you see, you couldn't place any time between uh, Daniel 12, 2 and John 5, 28 and 29. And when and in such passages as the resurrection of the just, see, 
in in uh, John 11, uh, 24, Martha said, I know that he'll rise again in the last day, see? Uh, and uh, and then Paul talks about the resurrection of the just and of the unjust, you know, when he says, I believe uh, like his forefathers, you know. He says, now, if I'm guilty of her- heresy, well, let it be. But I believe in a resurrection of the just and the unjust. But now Paul didn't say there'd be any time element between the just and the unjust. He just says, he makes a statement, he believes in the resurrection of the just and unjust. He didn't say they'd come up at the same time either. He just said he believed in the resurrection. Now, you see the dispensationalist uh, errs on one hand. The amillennialist reads into the passage something that's not there on the other side. On the other side of the pendulum. Uh, but now this passage puts a time element among the resurrection. Now Christ is the first fruits. Then, after that, they that are His at His coming. Well, now how long has that been? We've already had the first fruit phase of the resurrection, of His resurrection. All right, then, if the day's coming, and he says it is, after that, they that are his, see, will rise. After that cometh the end, when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to the Father. Why? Because he will have reigned until he's put all enemies under his feet. So, in first. Corinthians 15, you have an intimation. You have a pretty good hint that uh, in the resurrection, now, uh, 1 Corinthians 15 says nothing about the resurrection of the wicked, of the lost. It just says they that are his, see, at his coming. After that cometh the end. The end of what? when he shall have delivered up his kingdom to the Father. Doesn't even refer to the wicked dead at all here. All right, look at uh, verse uh, verse 51. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, we and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. That's what he's quoting Isaiah, you see. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, uh, here you have, uh, he's going to show you a mystery. The mystery is that we shall not all die, not all sleep. Now, he's still talking about children of God. He's not talking about wicked. There's not a lost man in his embraced in these verses. 
in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The wicked dead are not going to be raised incorruptible, in incorruption, in honor, in power, in glory, in immortal body, in a spiritual body. I think that will uh, be everlasting, but it won't be the description of the body of the saints and children of God. Alright? Now, uh, we'll come back to that verse a little later. But now let's go to First uh, Thessalonians. Because un uh, unless a person is acquainted with these arguments here, uh, then the prophecy concerning the Daniel, I mean, see, when you come to Daniel 12, about, you, you read of the tribulation first, and then you have the resurrection. All right? Unless, what we're trying to do now is to find some intimation right now as uh, if there is a resurrection prior uh, to the tribulation. Now then, we're going to have Christ coming here in First Thessalonians 4. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. Now he said, now notice, he didn't say I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning the rapture. Now this is the rapture passage. Uh, this is the only passage that they will give you to tell you that Christ is going to come back secretly that he's going to come back prior to the tribulation. This is a passage. They say now other passages tend to support it. After you once admit that he does come before the tribulation, then they can take other passages and uh, kind of support it. And uh, we, we may have time to go into some of them. But, but this is a passage, they say, uh, that tells you definitely, distinctly, clearly that uh, that Christ is going to come the dead in Christ are going to rise and the living are going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling eye before the tribulation alright let's see he said now I would not have you to be uh, ignorant concerning them which are asleep the dead that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. Now notice his authority. His authority for saying this is the word of the Lord. God told him, he said, Paul said. He says, now this is what God told me. He says, I say unto you by the word of the Lord that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not precede or go before them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain 
shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Now what does this passage tell us? This passage tells us that the dead in Christ are going to rise before somebody. They're going to precede something. See? Uh, Now, he says, uh, but now how much time is going to be involved in it? Now, you want to uh, note that element. For the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's nothing said about the tribulation. This is fact. This is going to occur. But you know what this verse didn't say? It doesn't tell you that the living are going to be changed. It says, uh, Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up. See? Now, Uh, You see, every passage of Scripture that speaks on the resurrection or on the coming of the Lord doesn't tell you all the truth about that subject. What it tells you is true. Now, we read one in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it says, Behold, I show you a mystery. What is the mystery? The mystery was that we're not all going to die. Here, Paul is showing him about a mystery. He, he's telling him, I don't want you to be ignorant. Not about the fact that we're going to be raptured, but concerned the dead. Now, the mystery in 1 Corinthians 15 was that we which are alive are going to be changed in a moment and a twinkling eye. See, there's our change. That's where they're running through the elevator. You, you, that, that's the story that old uh, Grandpa Jones told, you know. Well, I believe that, see. Uh, now, here's, uh, and, and Paul in, uh, in Philippians says, 3.20.21, tells about who shall change our vile bodies. See? But he didn't tell, tell you anything about being caught up to meet him in there. See? Well, he didn't have to. He told in Philippians 3, 20, 21, just what God wanted him to write in Philippians 3, 20, 21. Paul wrote exactly what uh, uh, God wanted him to write in 1 Corinthians 15, 52. Where, when he says, I'll show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. And then he just got through telling you what would happen to the dead. He said, this, the dead, the body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in, uh, uh, in uh, uh, dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown uh, in weakness. It's raised in power. It's sown a natural body. It's raised a spiritual body. And then he comes on and says that this mortal must put on immortality. And when this mortal puts on immortality, then shall be 
then shall come to pass the saying that death is swallowed up in victory. See? Alright? There you have the revelation made known that when, when, the, when the dead in Christ are raised, that the living are going to be changed. Alright? In 1 Thessalonians, all Paul says is that the dead are going to rise. He didn't say that the dead's going to rise of the spiritual body. He didn't say that it's going to have an uh, incorruptible body. He didn't say that it was going to uh, have a, uh, a body of glory. But, it, 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 but that's true. But, that verse, but this passage doesn't say it. And this passage doesn't say that this takes place before the tribulation. All right, now what did we say? We said that we know that Jesus is coming back. We know that he's coming back after the tribulation. Now, to make, to make sure of that, let's go back to Matthew uh, 24. Because, uh, because this, is, this is important. Immediately, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days, shall the sun be darkened, and the moon shall not give her light, and the stars shall fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn. And they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now when is that? Immediate, verse 29, immediately after the tribulation of those days. Alright, now he didn't come back to Jerusalem, did he? I don't think so. I don't think anybody ever said that... Uh, uh, that he came. I don't think that anybody was raised from the dead. I don't think the living was changed in a moment twinkling eye. Uh, then do you? All right. But now then, uh, and that verse, that passage, Matthew twenty-four, uh, twenty-nine, tells us immediately after the tribulation, Christ is going to come back. Okay. Now then, let's try to find where he comes back before that tribulation. That's what dispensations want me to believe. And they want me to believe that it'll be seven years before verse 29 here. See? That the resurrection in 1 Thessalonians 4 takes place seven years before Christ's coming after the tribulation in Matthew 24, 29. All right, let's look. Uh, let's look at it again. Now, what is taught in First Thessalonians four? First Thessalonians four here: the dead and the living are caught up to meet Christ in the air. That's union. That's togetherness. They're with Christ. It didn't say that Christ carried them back to heaven. Any man that says that they carried them back to heaven, well, the same man can say that he carried them back to heaven in a 747 jet. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You tell me that they went back to heaven? All right. Let's, let's just take it for what the Scripture says. They're caught up to me. Alright, now, the only other time, there's two other places in the Bible where this uh, 
went out to meet him. Uh, you know, where it was caught up to meet him. In Matthew 25, where they're waiting for the marriage supper, see? Uh, the groom to come back. There, there are the, the, the virgins. They're waiting for the groom. All right? And then, after a while, they go ye out, go ye forth out to meet him. All right? Now, what were they doing? They were going out to meet him. Did that bridegroom take the bride and, and take her off on a honeymoon? No, they were coming to, to the wedding feast. They went out to meet him. To do what? To return. The whole the thing wouldn't have been complete if he hadn't come to the house. See? He wasn't eloping. He didn't elope with the bride. Christ is not eloping. He's not stealing. He didn't come secretly. First Thessalonians says, look. Now remember. that this, the, uh, But these people that tell you that, that this occurs now seven years before the tribulation. They tell you that this coming is secretly. Nobody knows it. Except the children of God. And if it's at night time, while well, the next morning, the, uh, uh, the wife uh, wakes up and finds out her husband's not home. Where is he? She don't know. Husband's looking for his wife. She's gone. He's left. And get on the phone and call her, oh no, my wife's not here either. I don't know where they are. And then the next morning, all oh, comes out in the paper, so and so missing. See? I don't believe no such as that. Why? Uh, verse, uh, verse 16. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God now what is that there's three things a shout a voice of the archangel I don't know how how uh, loud Michael can can call or holler uh, I don't know how uh, noisy this trump will be this trumpet but I, I don't uh, I, I just can't see a trumpet being secret I don't believe if you was going to steal something that you'd uh, that you'd blow a trumpet and you'd have somebody announce the fact that you're coming you're on the way see well now that's what is it and then I never have I never have figured out Matthew 24 over there it says, For as lightning shineth out of the east unto the west, I never have seen any secret lightning, have you? But a lightning is visible, ain't it? But you 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 got to hide to keep from seeing lightning when when real flash comes. Well now the Bible says he's coming that way. When I show me the passage that he says he's coming secret. No, it's not there. They they they, they don't they don't have that. But yet they know that this now why do they know that this is a a rapture the catching up a resurrection of the righteous dead and the change of the living 
of all uh, God's children that that'll be done secretly and uh, seven years before he, uh, Jesus comes to the earth. Now, uh, what would they say to that verse? If I was to believe what you say they believe, and I was sitting here, and I was going to respond, well, what would, what, I, what would they say to you? What would I supposed to be saying back to you about that verse like that? All right. Now, all right. Here's what they here's what they say. Here's here's what they uh, say about this verse. They say that this uh, takes place before the uh, uh, the tribulation, because uh, uh, the uh, there's no signs. This can be any minute. This can be any moment. It might be one minute from now. It might be one day. It might be uh, thirty days from now. See. Whereas the coming in Matthew 24 uh, will be preceded by signs, see? For you shall see the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. Alright? Uh, over In Matthew 24, they say that the, uh, the uh, gathering together down in verse 31, and the only place, and the, uh, the only place of the rapture in Matthew 24, is in verse 31, where it says, And he shall send his angels, you know, and they shall gather together. That's the same word is here. They shall gather together uh, his elect from the four corners of the earth. All right? They say that that uh, is after the tribulation, because the verse says that. They believe that. But they put this comment before that, because this verse is not preceded by any signs. It just says the Son of God shall descend. Alright. Even so, it says that He's coming with a, with a trumpet, voice of the archangel, and, and, and the trump of God shall sound. Alright. In Matthew 24, you've got the trump of God. You've got the gathering together of His elect. Here you've got the gathering together. We gather together to Him. Same, same words almost. But now, the, uh, the fact is, they assume this on the basis of, uh, of several other assumptions. And, uh, but now notice, let me, let, me, let me point this out to you. Now notice it says here, the coming for the Lord Himself. Now, the amillennialist makes fun of the dispensationalist and criticizes the dispensationalist because of the word paruso uh, here, which means the coming. And they ridicule the dispensationalist because the dispensationalist says he believes in a literal interpretation of the Bible. And, of course, the amillennialist admits that they don't believe in a literal interpretation. They spiritualize anything that problems gives them a problem. And... And they, uh, but they're, they say this word parousa here is, uh, uh, refers to uh, the coming of Christ, and it does, it's a coming. And the Amalela says it's a coming all the way to the earth. And that's the reason why they're criticizing the dispensationalists. The dispensationalist says that uh, Jesus just comes up in the air, and then he's going to return to heaven. All right? 
if I can find it right quick. Uh, uh, I've got it. Now, they said, uh, this, is a, this book here is written by an armillanist, and he's, uh, uh, he's really on, on the dispensationalist. But I, I wrote, I thought I wrote uh, down there about this passage about the coming. What I wanted to show you is that uh, he was, uh, he cites several passages of Scripture. Uh, turn off while you find it. Yeah, turn turn off just a moment. Let me find it, because I, I want you to see this. Thank you for listening to the To Faithful Men podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcasting app. Also, if this podcast has been a blessing to you, please share it with others and help our ratings by giving us five stars and writing a review within your podcast app. 2 Timothy 2.2 says... And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also.